Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in on the start of Jets training camp. The voice of the Jets on CJOB, Paul Edmonds, explains what he saw on the ice at day one. We'll also hear from the longest tenured member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mr. Jake Thomas, who just signed a one-year extension to stay in blue and gold. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Winnipeg Jets were on the ice for the first time practicing today as training camp has formally begun, and we're not that far away from games beginning. Next Thursday, January 14th, the Winnipeg Jets will play their home opener against the Calgary Flames, and the man calling the action on CJOB is Paul Edmonds. Paul, how excited are you? Uh, well, thanks a lot for having me, first off. Yeah, I mean, I think when you knew that the is going to start, and you get January 14th, and you think, okay, well, it's a little ways away, but then you get into the first day of training, or at least, I guess, officially day two, but the first day of on-ice, workouts and the media are allowed to go in and you start to sort of see the tangible notion that uh, this is going to happen that's when your emotions start to build with excitement and that was the way I kind of approached it today it, it kind of got off to a pretty good start I mean they practiced uh, pretty hard there was a lot of gritty drills there was some decent tempo and pace I don't know that it was a Picasso Christian when it comes to passes on the tape or guys in the right spot or understanding exactly what to do because they haven't really had anything meaningful on the ice since I guess the summer and then even when they've been working out in small groups trying to stay in shape every sort of jurisdiction has had some restrictions on that so it's been tough for these guys to get together in a group and and have sort of league play or at least up and down the ice but what I saw today I think is encouraging for what we're going to see in the course of the 56 games and overall, I was pretty impressed by what I saw today at the Iceplex. How much do you think, not just the Jets, but everyone across the NHL that participated in the bubble, how much do you think that helped them realize, okay, we've done this before where we've only had this short window to lead in to, to big games. These aren't playoff games, but certainly they got to play hard right away. How much do you think that helps them know what it takes to get ready for the season now? Well, I think that's a good point because there's no more fear of the unknown, right? They know how to kind of approach this from the standpoint that they've been through this now for the second time. And it's gear up quickly. There won't be an exhibition game around this time. I mean, last time they played against Vancouver and then got into that series against Calgary. So there was one little tune-up game, and that was a pretty good tune-up game. They're not going to have that luxury this time around. But as Blake Wheeler said today, they don't necessarily need all the preseason games they usually have in the schedule, as many as seven. One would be great, but they're prepared enough for where they need to drop the puck and get at it because I think that the intensity of this 56-game schedule is going to be such that you're not going to have a lot of time to, to kind of wait around and say, oh, well, we'll get them next week, or, oh, that's okay, you know, this is midseason. It was pretty get-up-and-go today from that standpoint, and it looked to me like most of them, the majority of them, the overwhelming majority of them knew how to kind of handle this before, which also included, like, the Zoom calls afterward and the protocols, and as Blake again said today, you know, if you can just kind of put the fact to the side that you're going to have this Q-tip up your nose for two seconds and get on with your day, it becomes pretty routine after that. So, yeah, I think the experience of having this 
unlike seven other teams in the National Hockey League, regardless of the Jets bowing out in, in four games and only playing five in the summer, has helped them sort of understand what they need to do and prepare in these two weeks or less before they drop the puck on the 14th against Calgary at 7 o'clock here at home. So, you know, from that standpoint, having that experience and, and uh, mitigating the fear of the unknown will certainly help them prepare for what's ahead next week. So looking at the first day of training camp, we saw Kyle Connor skating with Patrick Laine and Paul Stasny on, I guess, the second line, and Nikolai Ehlers would be up front with Shifley and Wheeler. What do you think of that switcheroo? Because we saw Connor most of the last two seasons, really, playing with Shifley and Wheeler. Yeah, that one today, that one today to me, sort of smacked like, okay, what's going on here, right? So you start thinking about it, and then there was some questions that was asked pertaining to that. And Paul Stastny sort of came up with a pretty good point. And I mean, this is his second time through here. And we would, I guess, assume that it's going to be a lot longer than it was the last time a few years ago. But he said, you know, I felt that all of us certainly in the top six, maybe top nine are all interchangeable. So it doesn't really matter who we're playing with. But I think what they're trying to do, and I don't know this for a fact, but maybe give the opposition a different look and give a freshness to their top six overall. And and see, because Ehlers and Shifley and Wheeler played together, they've had some chemistry. Let's see what happens there. And now you've got Stastny back, where we all presumed he was going to play between line A and Ehlers. Well, that's not the case. Now you've got Kyle Connor. And Paul sort of addressed this today superficially that there's just sort of some chemistry that they maybe like or have seen in the past with that line, the Connors, Stastny, and Line A line that they want to experiment with. And it might be something that stays the way it is, or they could go back to, you know, bring back the band and the trio and that being Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler. So I liked it today. It was fresh. It was unique. It's something a little bit different. We'll see if it, it has some, some staying power. I'm not so sure that it, that it will. I mean, you get off to a bit of a bad start, and you're going to probably have to have some changes. But, you know, overall, I think that the other part of it was there was, some, there was a lot of talk. I mean, there wasn't any rumors. It was just flat out a lot of talk over the course of the summer and then into the fall about Patrick Liney and his situation and not being happy and maybe wanted to play with Shifley and Wheeler. And, and if that wasn't a great fit, because it really hadn't been a great fit in the past, Maybe this satisfies some of that as well, where you move a piece down and a piece up and, and give Patrick Lunny another guy that can be creative, that can get some speed going and shoots the puck in certain areas and, and maybe gets him the puck as well. Or Patrick Lunny becomes a bit more of a passer in certain situations to, to help with the skill set of Kyle Connor. So overall, Christian, I know it's been an elongated answer, but I like the move today because I thought that it, it really reflects on the fact that the coaches over the course of the summer and in the fall were thinking about how they can maybe have all these pieces fit and work. And as Paul Stastny mentioned, it's interchangeable and everybody's worked with everybody. So we'll see at least at this point how far this goes. But I didn't have a problem with it. I think that uh, the proof will be in the pudding once the puck drops for real. Uh, but it maybe satisfies uh, a lot of different angles from a lot of different personalities. As a longtime observer of hockey, Paul, when you're seeing a training camp, is there anything specific you're looking for, or are you just kind of watching and seeing if anything just dazzles you? Yeah, you know, I, today I was looking for line matchups, just like you asked me about, okay, who's with whom. 
Uh, Matthew Perot started up on that uh, Lowry and Cop line on the opposite side. He's a left-handed shot, but he was playing on the right-handed side. So, okay, so how does that fall in with now Nate Thompson? Well, he was playing with the two younger guys, right? And Jansen Harkins and with Mason Appleton. Both, I believe, in the absence of Jack Roslevic, uh, hold out because of a contract situation as an RFA, are you really going to have a legitimate chance to not only make the teams a full-time NHLer, but also enhance their playing time and maybe move up and down the lineup a little bit depending on injury. The other thing I really looked at today was how are the defensive pairings going to set up? Well, Sammy Niku was playing with Josh Morrissey. Morrissey was on his opposite side playing the right side. So I look for things like that, Christian, at the start, not necessarily if anybody's quick or fast, because I think given the unique circumstances of this training camp, not dissimilar to what we saw in July, that guys haven't played their usual routines to get prepared for the season. So they might not be as quick or as fast or, or ready to go at that game speed. So that will come as we go along. The grittiness, the tempo, I think that will increase as we go along. I'll be looking for that as we get further into this week. But today was about the line combinations, who's playing with whom, because this is the start of some experimentation from the coaching staff. Okay, let's start it out this way. Let's see what happens. If there's a fit, great. If there's not, then we'll go back to the tried and true. So those are the things that I look for. Haven't really watched the goaltenders yet to see if they're stopping the puck or how they're handling the puck or rebound control or anything like that. It's more for me about how the speed and, and the drills that they're doing to get prepared and then the line and defensive pairings and combinations are set out uh, by the coaching staff to start. Last thing for you, Paul, just looking at the schedule because the times were finalized here today. What do you think of 9 p.m. local time starts on Saturday nights? <laughs> I saw that. I think the first one's against Ottawa, isn't it? 23rd, right? yep. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I might have to. I might have to invoke the uh, the routine of the players and have my own afternoon nap. You know what I mean? Because I don't know about you, but as I've gotten a little bit older and we've got kids that are in junior high and and trying to push through that with some home learning by nine thirty at night, uh, Mama and I are ready to shut it down. I can tell you that. And so there might be a little yawning after the first period coming up with some of those games, but. In actual fact, and I'm, I'm adjusting, of course, a little bit, there is an adjustment to that because it's almost like playing out on the West Coast, whether you're in Vancouver or any of the California teams, right? I mean, there's an adjustment there. They're dropping the puck at 9, 9.30 Central Time sometimes. And after the first period, you're like, oh, I, I don't know why I'm so tired. And then you realize that it's 10 o'clock back in the Central Time Zone. So the Winnipeg Jets are not going to get any favors from the schedule maker. They never really do because of the location that they are geographically. They get flitted around from the West Coast to the East Coast, back to the West Coast, back to the East Coast, into the Central Time Zone. And because of the only Central Time Zone team, that's going to happen for them a lot. And it's going to satisfy a lot of the television requests. That's why you're going to get these unique times and these odd and nondescript times like nine o'clock on a Saturday night, but it's something that you're going to have to deal with this year because you're not playing a lot or at all in your division and you're not playing in your own time zone, except when you're at home. So that's something that you're going to have to accept and just deal with it as you go along, but it will make for some interesting Saturday nights by nine o'clock. Boy, if the fans were allowed in the building, nine o'clock starts on a Saturday night. Could you imagine the hoots and hollering going on? 
<laughs> well, I remember the remember the playoffs when they had some of those nine thirty starts because of the NBC double headers and how weird that was getting out of there. Yeah, they've got four nine o'clock games on Saturdays. They got a couple eight o'clock Sunday night games as well. Should be a lot of fun, Paul. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to talking a lot more over the course of the season. Yeah, no problem, Christian. I'll talk to you uh, either later this week or next week. Sounds good. Paul Edmonds, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets here on 680 CJOB. One thing I wanted to mention with the NFL stuff, I just ran out of time. An old tweet came back to haunt its author after the Buffalo Bills won their 13th game of the season. The Twitter user, whose bio indicates they're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, tweeted in June they'd get a Bills Mafia tattooed on them. If Buffalo won 13 games, the tweet, if the Bills win 13 games, I'll tattoo Bills Mafia on both my butt cheeks. And the Bills Twitter account quote tweeted that yesterday with, so, well, the fan appears to be following through. When asked Monday if they're getting the tattoo, they responded, that's the plan. So congrats to that guy. And we're going to stick with football now because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers made another signing. They announced that Jake Thomas was back for another round. The longest tenured Blue Bomber has been with the club since he was drafted in 2012. 29th overall. Had 18 sacks and 114 defensive tackles. Three forced fumbles in 137 games played through eight seasons. In the peg, five sacks last year. That's a career high. Registering 22 defensive tackles. Appeared in every game, including all three playoff games. And he is back in blue and gold. Talked to reporters on a conference call earlier today. He talked about his decision to come back. Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, I was really excited to come back to play in 2020, especially after winning that uh, first great cup. I know a lot of guys we had re-signed, and we were really hoping to push for that uh, two in a row. That doesn't happen often in our league. But uh, just seeing a few guys starting to sign, it kind of got the uh, – bug going for me again and uh you know just to be there in winnipeg and hopefully be there and sharing it with a lot of fans to be able to see that banner get raised and uh just the drive to win more great cups was the real main factor of me wanting to keep on playing do you ever consider retirement during this long pause from football uh i I don't know um i think it was definitely some thoughts were being there just because you never really knew what was gonna happen with the uh, season stuff. I think it was one positive of 2020 uh, the canceled season was uh, it uh, gave me the chance to, you know, start working on that uh, post-football career. But, uh, no, I think if there was going to be football played, I still had the drive and I still had the want to to want to be out there. And especially, uh, you know, I think uh, we'll have a really competitive team next year and uh, there's not that many chances that you have to win championships. So, uh I think you gotta take those, especially as many times as you can. So it's rare that you spend your whole career with one team. How has he managed to do it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think uh, just the world works in mysterious ways sometimes. Um, you know, uh, I've always enjoyed my time in Winnipeg, and I think just the uh, the time that uh, you know where I showed up to camp a couple of days late. I think a big part of that might have just been. Uh, Miscommunication on a few ends, and uh, but uh, Winnipeg's kind of. If I've got to play in the CFL, Winnipeg's kind of always been where I want to play, and uh, you know they've done a great job with the coaching staff and the GM, and you know Wade. They those three guys have done a great job, and it's just a great place to play football. 
I mentioned before how conference calls can sometimes be crummy audio-wise, especially if some goofs don't have their mic muted. I think someone in one of the clips was like, oh, they're early. It's like, come on, dude. The Zoom calls tend to be better, though. <laughs> ah, never mind. There's still some people that don't mute themselves. Point is, we're moving on. Now, sticking on the one-team theme, he had an interesting reason why he thinks loyalty is so important. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, growing up, uh, a lot of the sports, like teams I watched, uh, like Mario Lemieux is my all-time favorite athlete, and, you know, he was a career penguin. So, uh, you know, I've always kind of thought it was cool to see people play their whole career and one area um you know winnipeg's just been so great to me and my wife uh we love it there we love the culture we love the fans and uh you know it's just a great place to play football so to be able to be there for you know the last uh nine to ten years has been awesome and uh i'm really looking forward to keeping it going now we talked about a little earlier being in touch with guys and wanting to get the band back together and how that was one of the reasons why he felt like coming back was a good idea. Yeah, I feel like anytime you see kind of just uh, news out there, I think, you know, seeing Jamarcus Hydrick resign and Sean McGuire, I think it just kind of piques everyone's interest. And I think one of the reasons we had so much success, uh, I guess it would be two seasons ago now, would be uh, because we were such a t- tight-knit group. And, you know, I think... Um, 2020 had been very unfortunate, but I think for a lot of guys, it brought us closer. We did a lot of Zoom calls, you know. I felt like there was a lot more group chats, not just positional groups, but kind of like full team groups. So, you know, I think we had a close close group of guys that, you know, enjoy playing for each other and want to win for each other. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of guys want to be back, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're able to all get back. You've probably heard on our station before, he was on earlier this offseason with uh, the start talking about his time in real estate out east. He lives in New Brunswick. That's where he is. So how's business? Oh, it's good. It's going well. Uh, Looking forward to expanding here into the Winnipeg market here in the the near future. First uh, time I've, you know, I would say I've been thrown into a real job like this and I've you know, I've I've learned a lot on the job. I've been enjoying it. I like that every day is different. But uh, you know, I'm uh, yeah, I'm very thankful I was able to join a great team here. So uh, it's been it's been really good, and it's been fun learning the ins and outs of the business. Now he talked as well about managing to carve out a solid career, being picked 29th overall in 2012. He took us on a journey from then to now. Yeah, I think uh, in 2012, my you know my main goal was just to I think just make the team that be practice squad or the active roster, whatever it be, and try to do anything I could to make the team. I don't think uh, in my wildest dreams I ever imagined that I would you know still be playing football in 2021. Um, you know, I think I've been very fortunate in that. But uh, you know, I had a lot of great mentors. Uh, coming up through the Bombers. You know, Brian Turner really took me under his wing there the first couple of years and kind of taught me how to be a pro. Alex Hall, Jason Vega, Greg Teach, Jamal Westerman, they all kind of taught me a little bit. But uh, I can't remember exactly who told me this, but it's always stuck with me. Um, they always, someone told me the best two abilities you can have as a football player are accountability and durability. So, you know, accountable, knowing what you're going to do out there, knowing what your teammates' jobs are going to be, 
than durability, just being able to be actually on the field. So those are kind of two pillars that I've kind of prided myself on throughout my career. And, uh, you know, I don't think without whoever told me that lesson so many years ago, I wish I could remember who I would have uh, been able to last so long in the league. Finally, if you tuned into any of those reunions, you may have caught Jake Thomas. It was, the, I think, during the Grey Cup rewatch on Facebook Live that he mentioned he thought he was getting punked when he got to lift the Grey Cup first, and he elaborated on that today. Yeah, um, I guess I never really considered it. Uh, you know, that'd be the one accepting it for the team and accepting it for, you know, Winnipeg and the province of Manitoba. Um, you know, it's a surreal moment as it is. And I think all of a sudden a female that works for TSN came up and told me that I'd be accepting the trophy. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, normally that's something that I think people sometimes have an idea is going to happen. But, uh, you know, it was a great surprise. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of deserving guys that could have been the uh, first to touch the trophy. But it was definitely a surreal moment for me and uh, something I'll never forget. Jake Thomas, longest tenured Blue Bomber, has been with the club since 2012, had maybe his best season last year. And when you have guys around you like Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, commanding the attention of offensive lines, that'll open up spots for someone like Jake Thomas. So it's good to have him back. We're looking forward to hearing more signings to come from the Blue Bombers. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?